to the Hunting Dog Public Podcast. This is your host, Mason Bush. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, if you're in the market for a new pair of boots, head on over to coonhuntersupply.com. Check out the Razor Chaps. Razor has teamed up with Yoder Nylon to make some of the best chaps on the market. If you want durability with the chrome to go with it, look no further. Whether you need boots and chaps, pouches, or just apparel, Razor is your one-stop shop for it all. Head on over to coonhuntersupply.com or give them a call at 574-328-0856. Thanks. Hey guys, we've teamed up with Light Boots. They have the lightest 16-inch waterproof boot ever made. They have a one-piece injection mold design which increases durability. Some people say they are like walking on a cloud. All I know is if it ain't light, it ain't right. Go check them out at lightboots, L-I-T-E-B-O-O-T-S dot com. And they gave us a discount code for 10% off, T-H-D-P-10. Y'all go check them out. Today's word, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Hunting Dog Public Podcast. This is your host, Mason Bush. Today I'm in southeastern Iowa, uh, sitting here with Merlin Hershenberger and Barry Kitty. How y'all doing? Good. I'm doing good. This is uh, two years in a row. We tried this last year, and I dropped the ball on a, on a mic, so... I told him we'd try it again this year. Uh, we've been up here bird hunting, coon hunting. Uh, we've treed past two or three nights. I didn't go last night, but how many did y'all tree? We treed 14 the first night. And when I first got here, I treed two before you got here. And then I, then we treed 14 and then seven last night, I think it was. What, seven or eight? Uh, I know the first night was correct. Last night... Was maybe a little incorrect. Barry's dog absolutely made minced meat out of mine and Jacob's dog last night. Jacob's dog did extremely well the first night, um, and so did Barry's and Mason's. But you didn't take a dog that night. I didn't. I didn't take a dog that night. All you said is if I had my dog. <laughs> That's the way it always goes, you know. So he was out there last night, but uh, I ran into uh, yeah. Just didn't perform like he was supposed to, but uh, Barry's, how old's that pup? 18 months. 18 months old. He put on a nice little clinic and looked very, very good. That's kind of the norm. I mean, Barry's come up here since... 2000. Yeah, like I think it was literally the year 2000 and was up here almost every year. Um, He was here the last couple years. There might have been a few years before that he missed when he kind of... COVID back down. Yeah, yeah he's scared of the COVID. But his dogs, you know, people always said that wipeout dogs down south aren't going to do good up here. You know, and I've hunted with darn near all of them he's had in the last 20 years. And um, every time he comes up here, they look, they look good. They look very good. Zeb again, people said up here would not look good, but he'd bring him up and Numerous nights he'd tree five to seven coons and look good doing it. Uh, I only remember one night he struggled a little bit, but 
one night out of all the times he's brought his dogs up, they look very good. Right, right. So uh, he said y'all started about 2000. Uh, how long have you been coon hunting, Merlin? I would have started back in um, probably 78. Um, you know, the first time I went coon hunting was probably 76. Uh, my neighbor had coon dogs and was telling me how good they were and everything, and I knew nothing about it. But we went out opening night, and I know we killed 21 coon. I know none of them was treated with a dog. Uh, Spot treat them all. And that dog he had, you know, we'd walk through the woods, and like I said, I didn't know any better. And there was like four of us walk through the woods. You'd see a coon up a tree. You'd take the dog over there and tap the tree, and that dog would light it up. And I really didn't know any different about what a coon dog is supposed to do for about a year. And I got talked into going to a coon hunt one night. And it was Anamosa, Iowa. And I remember very distinctly the dog's name was Potter's Jim Dandy. It was a red bone dog owned by Jim Potter. And that dog treed three or four coon that night and looked very good doing it. And... Um, it was after that night I decided I wanted to have something like that. And I had a little bit of competitive juice in me. I, If I, especially back then, if I was going to go out there and compete, I wanted to have something that could, could win. And so I purchased my first dog from Matt and C.J. Anderson. I should say my first good dog from Matt and C.J. Anderson in south, southeast, south central Iowa female named Jill. She went on to make a name for herself and the dogs I hunt today all go back to her. I've had the same line of dogs. This is, I believe, the sixth or seventh generation that I'm hunting now. But um, that's how I got started. I got you. So that would have been, you say, late 70s, early 80s, by the time you got that dog? Um... No, that was about 1989 when I got that dog. But I did have some good dogs before her. So when I hunted with this uh, that red bone that put on a clinic, it was probably in 1981 or 82. I bought a dog from Ora Thomas, a dog called Milo. And that dog would flat tree coons too. He wasn't as good as a lot of them I've had since then. But I knew what it was like. And then I got a son out of him. That would have been the first dog that I made a Grand Night Champion back in the early 80s, which back then was a lot tougher than today. He would still be in one of my top four or five favorite dogs I've ever owned. And then he died on me in like 87. And um, then I had a daughter out of him that was decent. But 1990, I believe, was when I bought the Jill dog. And that was... Definitely a next level up, and everything I've had since then has been um, out of the same line of dogs, and they've been pretty decent. Right. Was the uh, the Clover dog you hunted, was he out of, out of her? No, Clover dog. So the Jill dog had a pup called Jill 2, or Candy, and I sold her for a lot of money back then. She was really good. Um, she was pretty much stone silent. Uh, a straight line hunter, and it didn't matter the temperature, nothing, 100% independent. And she, her and her mother, Jill, were two dogs that I can honestly say 
that I've owned for, you know, over several years. I won't even say how accurate, it, it's insane. But the coon she treed were up little bushes, little saplings, uh, fence posts. <laughs> um, I mean, she'd go a mile in no time flat. I did find out, you know, she'd run deer silently and switch over. But it didn't matter the temperature or anything. You know, she was, she was good. And then she was bred to uh, Doug Jackson's dog that he was hunting whitey. And uh, there was a son out of that that died at a year old, a very young age, but he had bred a female at a young age, and the clover dog I had was out of out of that dog. And then Allie is a dog I still own. She's about 14. She was out of clover. And then the dog I have now, Blaze, is out of Allie's. Yeah. What were you hunting when Barry first got up here with the clover? Um, probably... The black and tan bear junior that I had, I yeah. I did throw a few dogs in the mix. I had a little black and tan that was kind of a freak of nature too. He was stone silent and a good tree dog. But yeah, uh, you, you won a pro hunt here with Bear Junior, didn't you? I did. He won one first in a pro hunt uh, when he was two years old. Because that's that's what brought me and Clay. Uh, I think Tam may have called and. Got you to price him. He did. Yeah, and so Clay had a sack full of money. <laughs> I really believe it was Labor Day of 01, because I believe it's the same time that I, that I got married up here. Um, but I know I brought maybe Ruby. <clears throat> I may have brought Tank. Uh, he was out of Ruby and Moose and Zeb again was out of Ruby and Moose, but I didn't bring him at the time. I brought his sister, Zoe. But I know we went hunting with Bear Jr. And because uh, Clay was, Tam sent us up to look at him with a sack full of money. <laughs> and, uh, man, he was a cone treer. I mean, he would get in there and tree them cones. And uh, it was still just a little warm when we first got here and that cooled off right after we got here but I remember the first night when <clears throat> we'd get in close to the tree if he's in a thick place uh, he'd shut up just before we got into the tree and that's what scared Clay I didn't even really notice it that much Clay said that dog's that dog's off quiet when you get close to the trees and I'm afraid he won't bark anymore uh when you get in there and I guess it was from maybe shooting a coon out like we do sometimes without walking <laughs> without going in and handling them you know I don't know that that was his fault but that was the fault the reason that we didn't buy the dog that night yeah he would shut up a little bit he was waiting for the coon I mean he never shut up for a very long time two would have never got him but he'd went from uh, say a nice steady 80 bark minute tree dog to maybe shutting up for 20 seconds Listen to the um, rifle crack. Yeah, I mean, it's when you were literally within 30 yards of the tree, when he's seen your light close, he would do that. That's That was one of his faults. And then, yeah, they did not buy him. I took him to the Futurity that year in Illinois. I think it was down around Salem. Um, it wasn't Salem, but it was really close there. And he got killed on a highway that night. Mm. So he lived a very short life. 
And then actually after that is when I bought a clover dog. Um, I actually had the Jill dog and then the candy dog and then I had a dog called uh, Jet and Jet was out of Jill's brother. He was a nice dog but he died. He had a twisted stomach. Uh, I had him like two years and had a twisted stomach but he was a really good male dog out of the same line of dogs and then I went to um, Bear Jr. and then when he died I went to Clover the clover dog was up here was outstanding to me <clears throat> i've hunted i hunted with a lot of dogs but bad weather oh, i went with him one night and i mean it's probably 15 degrees up here i was freezing to death and i don't remember what i was hunting but clover tree nine or ten just as fast as we could go to him and i mean in one woods we we wasn't moving and trying to hit a hot spot you could just turn clover right back out and he'd just he'd just tree another coon 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 and if i had a dog and merlin just he wouldn't even worry about clover he said just leave him there we'd we'd go up there and shoot my coon out and clover it never affected him not one ounce he he was uh he's one of the best ones that i saw him with um at that time it was just uh he was a machine up here now when i'd bring ruby and zeb and some of these runners up here and merlin he, he ain't much of a running dog man unless he's running a coyote <laughs> but uh that would affect clover a little dab sometimes uh with all that barking but uh he still he still was a very nice dog and i I end up telling Tim Kramer about him. Tim Kramer's at the World Hunt and wanting to buy a dog, and he asked me where one was, and I, I told him, and I think he called you and bought him. Uh, yeah. Got you to price him. Yeah, he he did, and that was one dog at that time. I swore I'd never sell, and he kept after me. And the World Hunt was started. He was wanting something to win the World Hunt, and. Uh, I did price him at the time then and told him he ain't worth that, but if I'm going to sell him, that's what it's going to be. And it's nowhere near the prices they are today. But um, in my opinion, he had 0% chance of winning with him. He never heard the dog bark. Um, you know, <laughs> you're going out there, that's a little bit of a challenge. Right. But the dog didn't travel well. I mean, that is one thing he did not do. He did not travel well. Um, even here, you know, if I went to a three night hunt, 200, 200 miles away, um, the first night he might do okay, but the second night it was a different ball game. And I probably should have back at that time, hauled him more around in the daytime with me. I mean, I was just too dumb to know better back then. Still am as far as that goes, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, around here, he was very very hard to beat he he did get second in a pro hunt here um he got fourth in a pro hunt also but um he was a nice dog had a really good mouth good locate um not silent but he he lived to be 14 when he passed on his mother right now in my kennel she's 13 and a half you know, so it seems like they 
have a long lifespan. Right. How was she, that female? The mother, Allie? Right. She was nice. I kind of screwed up in life with her. I had her on the place. A buddy of mine bred as female. We had her here. Um, She would trail cats in my yard, uh, opening on them at like seven months old. And uh, I never had a first strike dog, literally. And she was going to be one, in my opinion. I remember when she was like a year old, I got a cage coon. It was super dry that year, and I turned it loose, and I came home to get her. And I got a bunch of phone calls, and it was over an hour later, I went back. And she ended up striking that thing, ran it into a brush pile. Um, And as dry as it was, you know, it's like, man, this is going to be something. Hmm. The same time I had made a swap with Barry, because I was wanting to find a female to breed to clover and maybe help some of the some of his faults you know i kind of wanted a wipeout line bred dog maybe and so he had one and i bought her and she was started and then all of a sudden she started doing pretty good and so i laid Allie up for literally like probably three or four years i very seldom even hunted her and i hunted fly and then she did good she's she won some hunts um I ended up selling her to another guy. His kid wanted to get into youth hunts. And then I started hunting Allie again. And she came on like gangbusters. It was like, why did I waste this dog for the last three or four years? But she was a nice dog. She had faults. Uh, she gets hunted about once a year now the last two years. You might see her tonight. I'm not sure. Um, but Barry could probably tell you more. He hunted with her probably at least 10 or 15 nights i'm guessing yeah i've seen her i've seen her do outstanding work <clears throat> sure how I, I never came up here when merlin didn't have a dog that's going to tree coons and you know i told a bunch of people around here if you um uh, probably the best dog man i know of here in iowa was merlin hershberger and i hunted with a several people around around here but didn't hunt with them as regular I, I like the way Merlin hunts he he hunts like I hunt though he's he's training every night uh and, and he's also looking for a place that you might could drive around pretty easily <laughs> and get them and that and and that's a it's a good thing but he you know we do a lot of recasting and a lot of things here that you know a lot of people don't do in these smaller spots but merlin's got some good spots to hunt some bigger spots so we'll do some recasting do some coon killing then we'll do some recasting and so uh he'll have a dog ready oh yeah i think last night your dog on that last not the last tree one of them trees in there really made us walk a long ways i think we might have walked 35 yards to that tree (laughs) i told barry this bull crap i need to drive down another 100 yards and let him out so he has to walk 135 yards (laughs) they were nice i went over by the cabin cut loose and mine trees right on side of a a field road i didn't have to walk 15 foot to him yeah yeah there was several trees last night that we that, that we were within 15 feet you know oh, that's yeah. i don't ride with a side by side or anything like that the roads around here a lot of them are gravel and they're really dusty and it's kind of a pain in the butt i mean you just suck in a lot of dust with my side by side so i got an older pickup truck and it's it's my side by side it don't matter if it's got a few bangs on it we usually can get pretty close 
they're getting crops out right now too so that helps a lot yeah yeah a lot of the corn and beans are coming out and it is abnormally dry here this might be one of the driest years we've had since 1988 uh several of the my favorite spots you know have a nice creek going through them and the creeks have been bone dry for a month and a half i mean no water where the coons go to drink water i'm not 100 percent sure unless they're going to some of the farm buildings around but we hunted them spots last night and treed coons in them but uh, a lot of the creeks are dry the english river is very very low i mean you can walk across it a lot of spots and not even get a it's whole lot dry whole driest i've ever saw it up here <clears throat> yeah. those rivers i mean you know usually pretty hard to cross in places but you can walk about anywhere right now yep one thing i will say that i wish uh jacob we'd mentioned him a minute ago because his little dog she's outstanding little dog but uh, jacob Humphreys, uh he was in our last podcast mason mentioned that we did this before a year ago and it there was a bad microphone and we didn't <laughs> he was in it and he's supposed to be here today but he, he you know he's like usual where's jacob when it's time to go hunting <laughs> And it's time to do the podcast. He must be asleep. So, but the little snitch or stitch, does he call her stitch? Snitch. Snitch. She, she can put on a show too. And, and he's had some, another female impressed me too that she wouldn't hunt a lick. Her name was Lady. But if she did leave you, she had a coon treated instantly. Uh, so he, he's always, he's been one of the first ones I ever hunted with when i came up here uh i hunted with him probably for hunting with merlin um he he'd carry me hunting he, he didn't know where he's at and he'd be lost but he'd call merlin or somebody to get around find a place he got us lost last year and we had a garmin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we lost him yeah uh, trails all through that woods. Yeah. <laughs> we lost him for 30 minutes <laughs> Uh, and he didn't have to go but 100 yards, and he liked to never got him back. <laughs> yeah, Thursday night, one of the spots we went to, we turned her and Mason and Barry's dog loose and snitch treed. The first tree she made was probably five minutes. We turned her off of that tree, and in less than a minute, she was treed again twice in a row with coons. Uh, so she treed three just in literally five minutes probably a minute and a minute we grab her on the third tree and we're going back to the truck to go down the road to get the other dogs and we're leading her through the woods and she jumps on a tree right beside us starts tree and look up and there's a coon in that one yeah <laughs> yeah merlin's got a nice dog too uh blaze i i've seen him do that same thing maybe he hadn't had a good night last night but you can't count him out because I've seen him tree three in in a hundred yards in five minutes. Like, how did he do that? Uh, un, unbelievable. He don't need a track to tree a coon and a beautiful, nice tree dog. And uh, I really like the dog and <clears throat> nearly dealt for him once. Uh, probably did. And Merlin was a little sick of the deal, and we just sort of didn't make the deal go through. But uh, but I really, I really like Blaze. He's he's a good dog. I guess the first time I ever met you was in La Plata at that Pro Classic. 
and they put on a show there. He treated two or three coons. Right. That was, I forgot about that. that was yeah, December two years ago. Yes. December would be two years. Yeah, he. He, he treated one 50 foot from us and then uh, a couple more. Yeah. Yeah, he looked good that night. And then in the late round, um, he drew a couple dogs that have done a ton of winning. Um, and they withdrew after an hour. He treated, I believe it was five coon, and according to Elden Corey, kind of about 150 yards. And the one dog had caught, treated one in a hole in the ground. The other one hadn't made a tree yet. Um, and then the next night would have been the final night if he wins that cast. It would have been uh, 20000 apiece for three of us, and he... He was easily winning that cast up until the very last second. <laughs> and uh, just kind of a tough situation, but he did not finish it off. You'll have that. Yeah. So you raised, you raised him as a puppy, didn't you? No, I raised a litter. Uh, I sold Blaze as a puppy to Joel Ernst's dad. Uh, Joel Ernst, he had bred... The mother to Allie, to Clover, and Joel's always been a long, you know, a longtime friend for years. And uh, his dad called me, and he was, I think, ninety years old at the time, eighty-nine or ninety, and wanted a pup out of that cross. And so he ended up getting this good-looking big male. He was the biggest pup of the litter. Um, I just thought he's probably going to be an old, slow, clumsy dog, and I had kept a female. And um, the female started out like gangbusters. And he had brought Blaze up when he was like seven or eight months old during season. And he would, he was independent that time. He'd strike, run. Uh, it seemed like the tracks were too old for his brain. Um, I didn't think that much of him at like seven, eight months old. Like I said, this female was 10 times a dog at that time. But then the next summer, he called me and wanted to get rid of the dog because. He, uh, I think he hunted him once or twice in the summer, but he's a big dog. You know, and a 90-year-old guy trying to lead him around, it's mm. tough enough for me, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I called Joel. I says, have, he, have you hunted with him lately? And he went hunting with him, and he did tree a coon or two that night and said he did tree a coon or two, and he brought him down. And uh, I hunted him when he went to the world hunt, and he progressed very rapidly and, like, 45 days he was about as good as something i had i mean it really kicked it in gear fast and um so me and joel bought him together as partners and uh, i own him now but joel's dad did a very good job getting the dog to handle i mean when i got him from him you know you could call him in you know and when he was reasonably close, got him to handle good. And as of today, he's by far the best handling dog I ever got. I did have to do some, a little more work on him, but, you know, I can call him in from anywhere he's at. don't matter if he's treed or not. Um, he's a pretty intense tree dog as well. There's, he's the most intense tree dog I've ever had. You do it to drag him off the tree, you literally, you have to drag him. I mean, he's, he's, he is a very intense tree dog. Hmm. Have you bred any females to him yet? No, I haven't. I collected semen off of him about the time me and Barry 
we're making a deal, so I've got like eight straws saved off of him. I don't have no intentions of breeding him live at this point. I I would like to get a pup or two out of him, but it'll have to be yeah. What is he? Three, four, four years old. It'll be five here in the spring. Okay. Time's flying. Just seems like he was two years old a couple of days ago. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, I guess that brings us up to us coming up here last year. We come up for a wedding. Was it Labor Day? Yeah. And um, we we treated a lot of coons last year. I brought Sleazy up. Yeah, we treated a boatload every night last year. Yep. I think 10 or 12. Had, I had Brandy that I sold to Jed Finley, and uh, she did really well up yeah, there. Yeah, she destroyed <laughs> us again. <laughs> <laughs> she looked good about she every night. She looked very good. Yeah, she was young. Two, um, yeah, she had just turned two at that time. I had Sleazy, and I think she was coming in heat. She 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 didn't look too hot. But yeah, um, yeah I do remember. I mean, she looked good as the nights went on. She looked really good to start with, and then a few nights, but yeah, she started coming in heat, and then they do all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had a good hunt, and the year before, I'd brought Jamie Painter. Up, uh, he had colt. I had brought a pup, but of somebody's, but I turned him loose once, I think, or twice, and I didn't like what he did, and I never did turn loose again. But I know uh, Snitch and and uh, Blaze put on a show. Uh, Snitch the first night, I think she treated six pretty fast, six out of six, and. Merlin wasn't even hunting his dog. The next night he carried his dog and we cut him loose and he had three coons tree four dogs even got treed. It was it was amazing to watch. <clears throat> That's what put me on him so much. I thought, man, I, I don't you don't see a dog that can tree a tree coons that quick and close. I mean, dogs wanna leave out of here now and go somewhere and he he would just you know, you're making all kinds of racket here with a coon tree, and you just pull him off and cut him, and his just less than minute to seconds, and he would be done, died dead with another coon. I mean, he would do that regularly. His just, uh, I thought, how is this dog just treeing these coons like that? But because all my dogs, all they known for is just running. I reckon I, I don't, I ain't never been known to have a tree dog. <laughs> But it's amazing to watch one that can treat him like that, and he, he can. He developed some health issues. I saved Barry a lot of money there. Because uh, <laughs> uh, the summer, when we had dealt with in the spring, and then I got him back in the summer, he developed, went through a funk where he wasn't doing right, and I had him tested, and he had Lyme disease, and then he also had uh, thyroid issues. And to this day, I'm battling that. Uh, when it's really hot out, I just will leave him in the truck. It's it's not good. Uh, I had him on this summer again. He went through a period where it was just pretty sickening watching him. And had him tested, and he had limes again. So I put him on Doxy for two weeks at a super high level. And then another week and a half at a lower level, and he come out of it really good. I mean, actually, even when it was fairly warm, right after I took him out of that, he looked he looked like he was close to being back on his game. But that is an issue and probably always will be, you know, I'm not sure. But uh, 
I would say from like October to April, it doesn't seem to affect him at all. Yeah. It's hard for y'all to hunt January, February, March. Actually, January, you, we have snow in January and it gets cold. Uh, we can even have a foot of snow on the ground, but that's breeding season for them. And they will run. I mean, you will run coon uh, into January when it's cold every night. I mean, you may end up treating more dens and some things like that. Mm-hmm. But the coon are, the coon are out. Um, March is probably one of my favorite times, you know, in October. I mean, October, November, October is probably very similar to March. Right. Yeah. I've treated cones up here when it's eight degrees. Uh, just actually, I was maybe my favorite place to hunt anywhere. I've I've hunted all over the world, Louisiana, Arkansas, to Texas, you know, Ohio, Indiana. But I just it, this is coon hunting right here. It's uh, it's amazing to. Uh, to hunt up here there's this coons and and i just love it it's just uh one of my favorite places to hunt ever with these with these people in, in this land uh and, and also mason's pup he's uh he's done a nice job up here too we hadn't mentioned cinch i guess we just left mason out of this, but <laughs> cinch, uh, i hear y'all want to talk about the mojo dogs oh well <laughs> This is not a mojo podcast, but that's what they said. I don't know why Scott or Maynard Greg said that. Yeah, Greg they said, said the wipe, this, another wipeout podcast. Yeah, this is not a mojo podcast, but man, he he's impressed me uh, at home. I seen that little pup right there do some outstanding work. The other night we'd cut loose and saw him. We seen a coon sitting in. I don't know how long he'd been sitting up a tree, but I know he'd been there for over an hour because we'd already saw it and we cut him loose on this island he went all the way around that island and come all the way back around to the other side and 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 treed that coon that was sitting up there it was pretty impressive to me he looked good he looked good thursday night I yeah mean, he, he did three by himself there and fairly short order too i mean the dog looked he looked good after me and him went on hunting too he he done a nice job he seemed to have a nose I don't think most of them mojo dogs seem to be that way, but he seems to be a little bit more track-minded than he is tree-minded. Yep. Well, speaking of the devil, Jacob finally just walked in. How are you, Jake? I'm doing pretty all right. All right, well, um, we've been, I'm sure your ears have been burning, because we've been talking about you a pretty good bit, so... uh, Let's take a little step back and uh, we talk about how how Jacob got introduced into this hunting ordeal. I think, uh, if I remember right, it all started, I was nine years old the first time I ever went coon hunting. Um, It was with my dad and a friend of his that he had hunted with, um, I guess, when he was growing up. Um, That's how I got introduced, just an old hide hunter uh, local to Iowa City. Um, it was one of those deals the first time I went it was the the obsession absolutely started um, and it was nothing more than you know just going tagging along and always carrying the fur or um, begging my dad to take me along which never seemed to work out but um, 
I I then discovered, I believe, the American Cooner and just living off each, you know, colored stud ad growing up and would study every single pedigree. Um, and then uh, in the American Cooner, they always had the PKC um, state standings and I would study everybody um, in Iowa, you know, and those people shortly became my hero and um, the obsession grew, I guess. Uh, one thing led to another and I, I finally strong-armed my parents into getting me my own hound and uh, everything just fell into place where um, I would I would hunt or go hunting with that the the individual local to Iowa City that took me Larry Rutt was his name, um, and I think I got my first hound when I was fourteen years old, and and then right thereafter met uh, Merlin, and um, I guess the everything else is history. Um, uh, my first dog wasn't nothing, you know, just like everybody's first dog. Uh, barely trail or even tree coon, I think. Uh, and then that branched into my dad and this Larry Rutt individual driving out to Autumn Oaks and buying a dog that was tied to a fence post with a for sale sign on it. <laughs> and that was my first, I guess I would say, real coon dog. Um, his name was Pop. I believe he was Hayesbred and... Um, I was fortunate enough at that point, my dad kind of took a step back and Larry took a step back and uh, Merlin took me under his, his uh, elbow and wing and uh, we went coon hunting all the time from then. Um, I remember that dog, Papa Top. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize the exact, I mean, did you get him as a puppy or was he started or? He was he was a finished dog. I think he was like okay. three years old, three or four years old, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, he would run the tree his own coon, had a ball mouth, and the dog ended up. I don't remember what injury, but his one leg got amputated, mm-hmm. and you sold him to another local guy. And yeah, I seen that dog treat plenty of coons. I mean, he would treat. I mean, he's not the class you're hunting now, but he would absolutely treat coons. Yep. I think he had a passion for maybe skunks also, if I remember distinctly. He was a meat dog. There's no <laughs> doubt. He, he he definitely he was definitely uh, what a what a I guess you know you hear all these interviews. All the old time guys or older you know generations talked about meat dogs. You know if the coons weren't moving, he would definitely grab a skunk or. Um, but but he'd always you know tree coons or just beat and bang around. He I think he I think, gosh I don't know how many first coons of people I would take or. The, the local boy that I sold him to, you know, he made him a night champion, and that was a pretty big um, accomplishment for that boy. I remember that night. The dog caught a skunk and was eating on the skunk and got sprayed. I mean, was covered. <laughs> Went on to treat two single coons of mm. that cast to win that cast. Is, my memory is right. Yeah. And then and then after that dog, um, I got the, the lady female. Um, it was, it was just a heck of an adventure. I got my dad into uh, driving me. It should have been to um, Western Iowa, the guy that I had met online or something like that. I can't remember how I found even found the ad. But we were uh, supposed to drive to Western Iowa the day before Thanksgiving to pick her up. Well, as luck would have it, and uh, 
um, every situation I got my dad into. Uh, we drove out there a day early, um, apparently. I wasn't good with numbers or dates, <laughs> as like I am with being on time anywhere that anybody knows me. I'm, you generally have to spot me 20 minutes to an hour um, for every hunt entry or um, fishing trip, goose hunting adventure that I'm on. I'm consistently late, but I always tell everybody that consistency makes the man. So here I am, <laughs> finally made it to this. Um, anyway, so we had we went and picked her up down in southwest Missouri, I believe Republic, Missouri was the town. And um, she was definitely a step up um, into my coon hunting. She was stone silent, didn't have any motivation, but she was the most competitive probably dog I'd ever been with at the time. She didn't do much, but she had squirrel dog people to death. Um, stone silent, but would probably one of the more accurate dogs I ever had. And, um, I had her, gosh, for probably 10 years. And I, I was moderately successful with her. Um, had a few memorable, memorable casts um, with her. Uh, probably my first introduction, one of my first introductions to competition hunting was with her. Um, back when Kelowna, Iowa used to have uh, pro hunts, the Blue Ribbon Circuit would always come through Kelowna, it seemed like every year. And um, one of my first most memorable casts was with her. Um, it was me with Lady, uh, Chris Allen with Molly at the time, who had just, be, I believe, just became the all-time winner in this female. Or, um, if I remember right, Mike Creasy with Willie, and um, Ronnie Smith with uh, Dog Southern Pines Mo. And we came down to the English River. We were hunting. I forget who was guiding us. Yeah, we were actually just what. Three, two, three miles um, away from where we're recording this right now in the river bottoms. And if I remember right, um, the cast scored on like nine coons, and me and Molly each treed like three or four of them. It was just a shootout. And if I remember right, Jonathan Warrington uh, squalled Molly's winning coon out of a den. I thought I had her wrapped up, and um, so much for that. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> never, never forget that one. Um, and then about that point, I, I kind of became a, a little bit more serious about these competitions. And um, I was introduced to uh, a fellow named Chad Doolin um, at the uh, Tallcorn Classic Hunt that Iowa was pretty famous for up in northwest Iowa. And um, Chad um, was the, the year before, one of the first years of that hunt, uh, brought um, Sun up and I had met him, hunted with him, was very impressed with the dog. The, the winning that Sun did pretty much spoke for himself. And so th this summer, randomly enough, when Chad called me and said, hey, uh, so if you ain't got nothing going on, I wouldn't mind you hunting Sun for me. And pretty well just flipped over backwards. I was like, Jesus, this guy really must not know me or you know <laughs> what I got going. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, Get, you know, give me the gas card and let's go. And that was my first real introduction to traveling, you know, in these competitions. And um, that was, you know, one heck of a fun summer. I, I think I hunted Sun for Chad for um, 
mm, I would guess a summer or two. And that, uh, man, I can't thank him enough. He, son was an amazing dog. I mean, everybody that's hunted with him, Chad, you know, took him all over the country and made him famous. And I definitely took over the, the reins on that one. Um, I never got to hunt with Son, but a lot of people talk good about him. I go over and hunt with Chad every every November when the refuge opens. We have some of my favorite times. Son was a real dog. I, I really like Son. Uh, I know Sumner Cullum and I were partners in Hellbilly, and I had Zeb again, and uh, Tyler Young was a. Uh, I know, so my dogs were in Arkansas that year instead of Tennessee. They were uh, Sumner's, in Sumner's name, so we, was in the Arkansas State. So Final Four was Zeb again, Hellbilly, Bad Habit Son of Chad, and uh, Tyler Young hunting that little female. English female, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was, it was a bad night, but uh, Son got out of pocket, and Zeb again won the cast. Um, I won the Arkansas State with him, but Tree and a Coon, I, I, only two coons we've seen, the little English female Tree won and had a hundred and a quarter and I had two hundred on a coon and then Zeb run a hog the rest of the hunt. <laughs> they kept, they wanted to put the six on me. He's running it so fast through there. They wanted to stationary because he was a mile in there barking every breath. And I said, he, you know, he's not treed. And he probably ain't never gonna be treated again tonight. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I, t- I seen Son do good. I hunted him a little bit for him. I was gonna hunt him in a hunt, and I talked him into coming down and hunting him in the nationals uh, for him. But why was Jonathan walking along? Was that a late round cast? Yeah. Judging? Had he already hunted early or something? And- I believe that, if I remember right, that was the Iowa Pro hunt that he got. Zeb again in, and you were hunting Ruby yeah. up here, if I remember right. Okay. Yeah, because I, I won that pro hunt yes. with, with Ruby, and he got third. Chris Allen got second, and Doug Jackson got fourth. And But Jonathan should have had second in that hunt. We uh, Ruby had treed a coon, and he had treed Zeb. He he wasn't treed, but... Uh, Anyway, he Zeb makes a tree and we don't find it, and he's usually always going to find his coon. And Molly and I think she took minus on the first coon, but she came, she went back and she treated a coon twenty-five and a hundred. Uh, Doug's had Singer never made a tree. She got up there in, in a field or something, went to running, and, and Zeb again was way off in there, and Jonathan slipped over to me and said, "Hey, is Zeb treed?" You know, they had told us to stay away from each other. Whoever was judging that cast said, you and Warrington, y'all, y'all are not to get together, okay? Because I own both dogs. And uh, But he slipped over by me and said, Zeb, is Zeb treed? I said, no. He said, Zeb treed. <laughs> I thought, you think I'm lying? <laughs> and he drawed another 100 minus, and he gave away second to third. Um he said, well, I just didn't think you was telling me the right. Didn't want me to beat you. <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a fun time. Yeah, uh, 
I really enjoyed enjoyed hunting up here. And I I hunted with Jacob before I ever hunted with Merlin. Uh, um, Tanya knew of Jacob, and uh, she called him up. And I'd, I'd get up here, and I was just dying to go hunting with somebody, you know. So I'd pick me out somebody. You know, I've hunted with Brett Myers up here. I've hunted with Kerry Bryant. Um, but uh, Jacob was my go-to guy. If I called, he was always ready to go. Uh, may not know where we was at, but uh, <clears throat> or be lost. <laughs> The worst ride I ever took was with him across a uh, chiseled field, and it eight degrees. I just had to go hunting, and he's the only person I could find to go. And so we went, and Ruby had run some kind of farm it through the world, and she had got treed across this big chiseled field. And it, the ruts in it, I guess were... I don't know, 12, 14 inches deep, just chiseled, frozen ground. And uh, it was a long walk across there, and it was eight degrees. And so he, Jacob said, I can drive across there. So we started going across just womp, a womp, a womp, a womp, as we was going across them, he's right across them rutted, frozen ground. And the minute he gassed it, and we just stayed on the top, of the ruts is <laughs> he mastered everything he had the dog box was jumping almost out of the back of the truck when we got over there uh, but i remember killing her a coon over there at eight degrees um but man we've we've had some good times i, I really enjoy hunting up here a lot i i can speak on that that night you know you you look back over your friendships with folks and um, things that you've wild things you've got into and it's always fun uh, Barry called me that day and was like well Jake I ain't never treat a coon you know in temperatures like this and I said well I surely haven't either but let's go find out if we can do it and he said well I think Ruby will move around enough to go find one and, and anybody that lives in the Midwest or you know in any type of farming community knows that in in a chisel plot field if you just drive fast enough you can stay on top of it <laughs> turns out the suspension of, a, of your vehicle doesn't necessarily always agree with that but we made it across that field and it's still a good conversation piece from a hunt probably 25 years ago yeah both dog box doors was tore plumb off when we got over there i had to strap them i had to strap her in I don't think they were very good anyway, but they both came off. Um, it's amazing when you're young, um, when somebody you know that you looked up to, like Barry, you know, wants to go coon hunting. You, you go coon hunting no matter what, and it just uh, just makes for the story. You know, when when you uh, get out of the truck and one dog's staring at you over the tailgate because the door got ripped off, and and uh, <laughs> The, the legend continues, I guess. We brought it up for for you got here, but I'd, I'd forgot about it. But remember, you you said he was gonna go back to the truck last year and, and drive around and pick us up. And we I think we ended up beating you back to the other truck, and we sit there and waited thirty minutes. And I don't remember you went down the wrong road or something happened. Yeah, um, he was a hundred yards from me, or she was 
100 yards. He said, I'll just go, I believe, he said, I'll just go up there and get her. You can go on to the truck. So I went on to the truck and waited and waited and waited. And Jacob, Evan, did you have your Garmin? No, I, you know, being that I hunt, you know, this area once a month for the last how many years, I felt confident in my ability not to get lost <laughs> until I got out of sight of the truck. And um, there's a woods that we hunt um, in the in the river up here that has all these, I wouldn't say they're logging roads, but just, you know, navigation roads all throughout it. You know, it's very coon hunter friendly. And, uh, well, it's either out of sight of the truck or um, out of sight of the tree that you make. There's, it's like a, a used car guarantee. There's no way that I could get between point A and point B without being lost. Um, when these guys have to drive 10 hours to guide the guide, um, it makes for an, another adventure. It's, I, have a, I have a pretty colorful following and um, life that I live, and I think I had, I had got lost, legit lost, for 45 minutes. I had no <laughs> idea. I, I eventually just thought to myself, well, if I just walk to where I hear this road, I'll, I'll be two miles from where I'm supposed to be, but by gosh, I'll find a road that I can get back to them guys on. I think I ended up walking back in there. I think I got to the truck before you did. Oh, absolutely. After we had done waited 30, 45 minutes at the other truck. Yep. Yep. Again, it... it, it I think I got in the truck and drove to you. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, 100%. You'll, like uh, this story and all the others, you'll you'll see that uh, nothing ever goes as planned with me involved. And um, it, it always is an adventure. When, when you set out to do something with me, <laughs> just grab a pen and paper because there's going to be something awkward or adventurous happening. That's who... My- that makes you who you are, Jacob. That reminds me. Me and there's an older guy around here. I just seen he has a birthday today. Eighty-seven years old, I believe. Dick Burkett. You guys. Oh yeah. Barry, you've hunted with him. Jacob's hunted. Maybe he's eighty-two. But anyway, this was back in the seventies. We were hunting the same woods as you're talking about. And back then, they didn't have garments or anything like that. You carried a compass with you. And. There was a place where the river almost comes together and our dogs got treed down in the bottom of that spot and every time we tried to walk out we ran into the river no matter where we walked we ran into the river we had no clue how to get out of there so finally after about the fourth time i told dick you go this way on the river i'll go this way on the river and one of us will have to come out well we disappeared from each other and all of a sudden our lights get closer and closer and that river almost comes together. And uh, <laughs> we walked out. I mean, when we got close together, we was only like 50 yards apart when we found our way out of there. Wow. Now with a Garmin, you can see all that. I'm sitting here on my phone and showing these guys that picture of that big gooseneck in the river, and it's still there to this day. But if you wouldn't have a Garmin and your dog got down in there, today you'd have a challenge getting out of there you know see that's what i'm gonna go with i i just found <laughs> that in full disclosure it was 100 percent not that but i just took the wrong road and mason came to my rescue i came up here another time with a uh, casey montgomery he's a good friend he his dad said uh, casey's got a pro hunt at the Kelowna Kelowna pro hunt entry and he said uh, i don't need to go he said 
would you care to ride with him? I said, I really don't need to. He said, well, I need somebody to go with him. So I, I came up here with Casey. He said, uh, well, I've, I've got us a place to stay. I said, uh, you got us a room? Yeah. Well, I I thought we had a room, but we didn't. We, we were staying with Jacob in a above the Western Auto store, I believe it was, in uh, or, or the Ace Hardware in, in Williamsburg. There was no beds. Lady, only th- only thing lived up there was him and Lady in one bed. We slept in the floor. Uh, it was it was quite an adventure, <laughs> quite an adventure. Uh, but we had a good time. Got Danny Joe's truck. We almost turned it over coon hunting. Just we had it on on two wheels. Uh, just you could have pushed it over or you could hold it down. Whichever one, just you could have pushed it over with you little finger we we had it on the worst sidling place ever was but anyway i had a lot of good times up here with these guys uh, and and it's one of the best places in the world to hold a hunt they they need to have a big hunt up here pro sport pkc somebody needs to get a a hunt here it's there there's this is coon hunting this is offense you don't need those helmet and shoulder pad defense uh this is it's about calling a having a coon tree in contest. Uh, yeah, I love to hunt up here. I can I can definitely speak on that. Um, I've been very fortunate to you know get a travel all over the country to these coon hunts, and I I definitely have molded my style of of wide open and and if your dog's treed, tree it. You know, don't worry about what the score is or what's happening because it's not that a dog's just going to stumble over coons because it's like um you have a lot of talks you know i've talked with barry a lot about it and even you know somebody brett myers has talked about it is is yes we have a lot of coons in iowa but your dog has to go tree them run a track and tree them um so you don't have time to worry about you know laying back or maybe not you know train your dog when it's treed simply for that reason is is they're gonna they're gonna go find another coon to tree in the hunt time um you know uh, our terrain you know makes it to where if a dog does go hunting in any direction um they're they're gonna they're gonna find a coon to run you know it's one thing merlin has taught me growing up is that in this countryside a dog should be treed every you know 15 20 minutes no matter what direction they go if they have heart enough to bust through the timber the briars you know the um, the countryside we have up here isn't always the most conducive for walking and you're going to probably leave some of your hunting clothes hung on the briars but i i do believe our coon population does warrant um you know treeing i would say three to six coon in a cast pretty easy I mean, I, obviously, I don't know what was talked about pre-me um, waking up and getting to this interview, but I think the other night, what did we treat? 12, we walked to 12 trees with coons in them the other night. And then, and seen, then we treat two more, so yeah. we said 14 because, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mesa and I couldn't quit. We we kept going. You just love Iowa that much. That yeah. you needed to it was about four, four, three. Well, when you, when you leave Tennessee... And you can't even get a strike, uh, you know, in in a mile, in two hours sometimes. Uh, 
I, I can put you where there's cones in Tennessee, but I can put you where you can't tree a cone. And uh, so when you leave that and get up here, and it's it's just like, you know, it's like having a good piece of cake after you had a bad meal or something. It's just <laughs> you can't you don't want to quit. The one thing that's changed up here in the last 20 years is, in my opinion, we had as good as hunting up here as anywhere and lots of it. We still got good hunting, but I have lost no less than 80% of the hunting I once had. Um, and that is not an exaggeration. I could hunt almost anywhere I wanted to around here. Now because of the world of deer hunting, I have lost at least 80% of the hunting I once had. And that's a little frustrating because all us coon hunters know, you know, night after night, you see the deer laying when you walk by them and don't spook them, but that's just the nature of the beast and I don't think it's going to get any better. Um, logging has ruined some good hunting. There's still coons in the logged areas, probably just as many as there was before, but it makes very rough hunting uh, where it's been logged out. But um, speaking back, when Barry first started coming up here and hunting with me, you know, Ruby was really, I think, the first dog he had brought. And I remember distinctly going out on nights where it was very wet and muddy, you know, where you couldn't really go in fields. And um, those memories were not great <laughs> because Ruby took me into areas where I've lived all my life that I'm not so sure I ever treed there before. Mm. Uh, you cut her loose, she was going to strike, and she was going to run a thing. Something and with, she was going to treat and it have moved. a raccoon every time. I mean, her and Zeb again, they had coons as near 100% of the time as you could get. <clears throat> I only remember one tree that we looked. Oh, shit. Barry was determined to find that coon, and we spent at least 30 minutes there. And we did not find that coon. That would be the only tree I ever remember that he made that we did not find one. And it was thick with a thermal today, we might have been able to find that, but he treated them on tops of bridges in the middle yeah, of the woods. Yeah, iron, iron bridge rail. <laughs> I, I, you know, it was, I thought, cross a river and I, one iron bridge rail. I thought, there's no way. I mean, a coon could go out the other side, just walk across the bridge rail. I looked across there and I didn't see nothing. And uh, there's some honeysuckles up there on top of that, growing up that bridge rail. And I squalled and that cone raised up out of them honeysuckles. I thought, that's, that's Zeb again. It, it, he just, you, it, I've told people, if you could get the snap on him, you had plus points. That's just about the way it was. He, he didn't make many bad trees. Yep, and then you had Hellbelly, which still one of my favorites. Man, that dog was a country and son of a gun up here. He was an action dog. Uh, hurt. I remember when you brought him yeah, up that, here. That's he going to hurt. Dog, dog, dog also. I mean, he was a country and son of a gun. And then when Trip was just a pup, he was like a year old. And Jacob's female was the same age. They were both like 15 months, 18 months old. And uh, wow. That dude put on a coon tree in clinic when he was young like that. And then he came back, I think the next year and the next year, maybe the third year, 
we lost him that night hunting. Uh, had tracking collar, you know, the tracking collars, and we drove all over. It was a kind of a windy night, and um, yeah, the Garmin collar just quit, <clears throat> and it was down towards some junk that right. And I just I thought he's in that junk, but he never had treed in the ground. It, we I guess we went to the junk pile three times, and then we drove all over this world to listen. And you could hear that dog then treed for a long, long ways, but. We never did hear that dog, and I just thought, well, I'd done been offered a bunch of money. I thought, ah, this thing's coming to an end here. But yeah, we ran into two twenty conibear traps in the woods that night too, where we lost him. And oh yeah, that, we just that knew was, that dog was dead in a trap somewhere. But the next day, next morning, uh, young, I guess Amish boy or something or Mennonite yeah, or something. Yeah, found him called Clay. Yeah, called Clay. Had Clay's collar on him and said he had him. He'd been treed over there in a spot that I thought we would have heard him, but uh, boy, I was glad to get my hands on him. Yeah, you were worried that night. That was the most worried I've seen you. <laughs> and actually, where that guy called, we did go down there. That was like a dead-end lane south of the highway. We went down to his building, but he had a whole bunch of, if I remember right, uh, St. Bernard's. <laughs> I had the thought, like, maybe them St. Bernard's are in heat, and he smelled them and went down that way. Um, but at that time, we didn't see him or hear him or anything, but that's where he did end up was in that guy's woods. Yeah, we usually don't get in much trouble up here, which Merlin's got us in some good places. But uh, the, the year that Jamie Painter came up here with me, Colt ran a coon up into a hay barn. And they had them big hay. They wasn't round bales, but they were the big square bales. And I ain't talking about no little bitty barn. I'm talking about 150-foot barn, 50-foot wide, full of hay bales. Yeah, there's probably a 1,000 of those bales in there. And Colt went up in in that. Somehow or another got down in. I mean, they're stacked 20 high, 1,000 uh, bales. We don't, he's just in there. We don't, well, I thought, there's no way we'll ever see him. Merlin makes a phone call. He he don't want to, but he has to make a phone call to the homeowner and, you know, so, you know what's the deal? Maybe can we move these, uh, well, this guy's out somewhere uh, at a party or at a meeting or something that night, and he sure is not wanting to move a thousand hay bales. <laughs> and... <clears throat> But uh, for some unknown reason, Colt just come walking out of that, out of that. And there wasn't, I mean, just cracks, just, you know, six or eight inch cracks between those hay bales. And it was just a maze in there. You you couldn't even, hardly even hear him back in there. His, but I bet it was full of coons, and, but he, he got out of there. Yeah, I remember. We actually seen a couple of coons up in the beams of the yeah. building. Yeah, I, re I remember it was Merlin and Barry riding in their truck that night, and me and Jamie were together, and and the Garmin, you know, had had him losing reception right on the outside of that barn, and just randomly enough, I heard just like one bark, and I was like, oh gosh, it was just, you know, these dogs they get into situations, they get themselves into situations, and I'll I'll bet it was forty five minutes that uh, Colt was in there and. We were hollering and we even shot a gun a couple of times to try to get him out and just 
like nothing had happened. Colt came shimmying out between the, the, the rows and wagging his tail the whole way where, you know, he easily could have got in, you know, somewhere just no different than a cave, got stuck, and that would have been the end of him. Um, it just worked out. That was way more than an hour, or more than 45 minutes. <laughs> it, yeah. seemed like, yeah. it seemed like, it seemed like, Lord, uh, well, our hunt's over. Yeah. Yeah, we had, I mean, that's a... Jacob, how'd you get hooked up with the, the Georgia crew? Well, funny story. Um, I, uh, growing up, um, I guess to step back before I got hooked up with Chad Doolin, um, Jeff Rickliff, um, kind of took me under his wing. Not that he had much of a choice. Um, I was definitely a little, uh, groupie growing up because... Jeff would talk to me, and whether he had a choice or not, I would call him um, every night after I got off work. You know, gosh, I was probably in my early 20s. And um, I worked second shift at the time, and he would, uh, he would unfortunately have to answer the phone every time I would call him, when I, or every day I would call him after my shift was over, just talking about dogs. And, and uh, I'd go out there and hunt with him. I'd take Lady out there. And, and then um, um, I I got to talking with Jeff about this female that uh, John Strickland and I believe Cranston Conifer had named TT, and um, you know I wanted to I wanted to make a transition from lady to a different dog you know something that I could take to hunts and travel with. I didn't really know much about this female, and I, I probably wouldn't have bought her if I knew everything about her at the time, but um, I went out and I bought this female. Well, I would go out to Jeff Jeff's house, and I'd stay, and and um, she I only had her for a couple years, but this little fe- female named Titi, um, as luck would have it, and um, fate, I guess, um, I, I bought the female... Um, from John and Cranston, um, hunted her for a while, and uh, it, it turned out that um, she was bred. Um, John at the time was um, building a new house in Georgia, and I believe he owned um, the Midnight Rider dog and TT at the same time, threw him in a kennel. TT apparently came into heat, and John wasn't paying attention or didn't realize it. I bought her. Um, shortly after that and one night I was hunting her and it looked like she was like bloated and I was young I didn't have any idea what was going on and um, I, I I was like oh my god my dog's dying well you know summertime I was worried she was bloated or something you know I had no idea I was super green and I called Jeff and I said either my dog's bloated and dying or she's pregnant and Jeff goes well I can't believe she'd be pregnant. Turns out, joke's on me, she was pregnant. And thank God, John Strickland, being the man that he was at the time, he uh, he paid for an ultrasound to be done. She uh, she indeed was pregnant. Um, paid for all the you know pup registration stuff, and she ended up having you know a whole belly full of pups. Um, that that uh, that pup. One of the pups that came out of her was um, a dog called uh, Midnight Monster that um, I had given to Daniel Clipperton just to start, 
And um, if he turned out, I said, I'd like the first opportunity to buy him back. Well, that, that dog kind of put me and, and definitely um, Brett on the map with um, traveling around. And, and he was quite a dog in, in Iowa, Midwest. Um, did fairly well at Super Stakes with him. Took him down to Texas several times, you know. That's the first big kickoff, you know, back when the Lone Star Hunt was at its prime. Did real good with him. So I, uh, I, I had sold Brett um, half of him, and he went on to, you know, do all the winning and breeding that he did with him and uh, creating a bunch of the half-breed dogs, and um, that was the, the top side to a bunch of them. Well, in the, in the time being, I was at a, a pro hunt that Stephen Smith and Jeff Rickliffe were hunting. You know, I think Stephen that year was hunting Chloe, and I can't remember the dog that Jeff had in the, the pro hunts. It might have been Habit. I, I can't remember. It may have been Henry. Was it, 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 was, it was, yeah, it could have actually been Henry, I think. Um, God, time's gotten away with me to remember what dog it was. But I was just a you know pretty poor kid growing up. Jeff and Steven um, bought my entry to that pro hunt, and uh, they were going to split it. Well, as luck would have it, um, I drew out with Steven. I was hunting Lady, and he was hunting Chloe. And uh, it turned out um, I beat Steven um, with Lady, you know, little old me, you know fresh out of high school, beating one of the greatest females in the country at, at that time. So I never I never really have let Steven live that one down that, you know, me of all people beats Chloe. Um, so still suck it easy, Steven. I'm 1-0 against you. <laughs> and uh, so that's, that's how I got my introduction to Steven. Um, and we've just always stayed in contact from that point on. And and he's worked for Billy Cochran for, God, at that time, they were just, Stephen had just started working for him, I think. But that was better than 20 years ago. And um, I had just always stayed in contact. And, and through the years, I had just hunted dogs for Billy. You know, I didn't really have much on my own. Definitely couldn't afford dogs. And so they just kept me in a, a steady supply. I hunted a handful of dogs off of Harry Balls for those guys. And... Um, I hunted a dog that they just sent up here permanently um, called Monster Balls and he uh, he was he was a super nice dog um, he would have been off of Perry and Stevens uh, crazy female um, bred out of the world beautiful dog um, just an, a, a, an incredibly fun dog to hunt um, he couldn't he was super competitive and always wanted to you know please you more than himself and I, I guess monster's biggest hole was that if he ever got down or, or he would make a bad tree and you'd get after him he would just shut down just because he wanted to be your buddy and that's me and me and him have uh i did a, a, a fair bit of winning with him around iowa and um that led me to um the dog that i'm hunting now snitch um she would she would have um, be at a threesome and a sister to crazy um, I believe her mom's name was stitch stylish stitch um, 
and I've had her for God, I, it's hard to believe, but she's seven years old now. Um, and just, I've had just a, a, a slew of success with her easily, probably the best dog I've ever turned loose. Um, and I, and I just can't thank Billy, Steven, you know, Josh Watson, Ryan Eady, um, Coey, all those guys have had a big part in snitch and my success with her, um, over the years, just because I chase, uh, the, I chase geese in the, uh, winter and springtime, um, guiding. And so it worked out just incredibly. I would send snitch down to Georgia while I was gone. Um, just the state of mind of having those guys to hunter, uh, to trust in those guys, you know, since they love her so much and uh, all of her schizophrenic problems. Josh said, you uh, you definitely need a, a book or an instruction manual to hunt her <laughs> just because I got her so spoiled. But um, it, it, it goes back to those guys just believing in me, trusting in me for, oh, I would guess the better of 12 years, you know, to send dogs up. I, at one time or another, I hunted uh, the noisy little S female for those guys. I believe I had rose up here I, th I think for a while or i think i had her um the i believe uh, i think her name is like wild irish rose or something like that yeah that was s's mother yep um that sunrise we just made across the sunrise uh, fergie's got a female off moose semen and noisy little s and uh, we just bred her to sunrise semen this past week if you look back um i think in the all-time breeders list i if Billy's name isn't at the top. It's got to be, you know, right there close. Um, the knowledge that, you know, Billy has or uh, Stephen has with Billy, um, I guess the reputation proceeds, you know, speaks for itself. Um, a lot of knowledge comes out of that part of Georgia, Tennessee. Um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty exciting to be around those guys, you know, and... and I don't get to see him very much, but um, I guess that was one thing about the world hunt being, you know, in Illinois in October that made it so fun is, is we would have a house and, you know, there'd be guys from um, South Carolina, Georgia, you know, I would go, I would go down there and, and just the atmosphere that those guys would bring or, you know, being a part of, you know, working at the Havoc booth or, um, those guys giving me a hard time, I you know giving it back just because the the atmosphere that I bring, I generally the good time follows me more than most, and I uh, I, I can't thank those guys enough um, for for putting me in the position that I that I've been in, um, getting to take snitch you know all over the country and having the success we I I've had it definitely wouldn't be possible without Billy for sure. So I thank him quite a bit. Absolutely. Well, I guess we can start winding her down a little bit. Uh, I know I was playing. Y'all wanna probably want to get to that. <laughs> I'm, I'm about ready to get a bite deep myself. In Iowa, we don't have a whole lot. So Hawkeye football is reigns supreme over pretty much everything. That's our NFL Sunday. <laughs> well, anything else y'all want to say? It was a pleasure having you up here. Um, come back next year again with Barry. And the way I understand, uh, you're like making a move on his daughter or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so might be a family tradition coming back here. Mm. It's always a blast hunting with you guys. And 
you know, um, we tree a lot of coons most, most of the time. I love it up here. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I always check the weather, you know, up here too. I got Williamsburg on my phone, so I look at Adamsville. I look, you know, that's where I live, Adamsville, Tennessee, but I look at Williamsburg. I see what how it's compared. In the summer, sometimes y- y'all been hotter than we have. I thought, why in the world? Well, once it turns cold up here, it's it's cold. But I always like to check Thanksgiving to see because we might come at Thanksgiving sometimes, Christmas sometimes. Usually, it's too bad to hunt, but but sometimes it's been nice here all the whole time. It was below zero Christmas last year. Was a was a close to forty. Forty below. Yeah, 40 yeah. below yeah. Thanksgiving is normally nice hunting up here, but I will say. You know, people think treeing coons is tough in the winter times. Uh, I will argue all day long treeing coons in Iowa in July is probably the worst month, probably the first half of August. You're fighting weeds that are head high in the timbers, uh, bugs. It, it, there's no pleasure in it whatsoever. You go out to hunt, you're just standing there pouring sweat. You know, in November and December, you know, it may be colder, but you can dress to stay warm. You can't dress to stay cold, mm-hmm. you know, in the summer. And in the wintertime, there are no more weeds in the timbers and stuff. It's clean running for the dogs. It's To me, it's easier to treat coon at that time of the year than it is in especially July and the first part of August. It was a little windy last night, but the night before was real nice. Yeah. It's supposed to be... I'd say the better night tonight. Yep. Definitely holds true in Iowa that if you don't like the weather, wait 20 minutes and you're going to see something different. <laughs> we have we have one extreme to the other here. It's blazing hot, blazing hot to Baltic cold, and it can be in 12 hours. Yeah, last Thursday, I believe it was 96 degrees here in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, I think it maybe got 57 you know that was like a high get down in the 30s next few nights yeah it's supposed to get like in the i mean upper 30s yeah if, if a guy wears a jacket and everything you know sweatshirt it'll be comfortable if you don't like the night before i didn't it was a little a little cool out there yeah i wore a hoodie it, it felt great to me yeah, yeah I, I mason looked at because we brought a little trailer up here and he said uh how long are y'all staying because we it was packed full of, of stuff because I first time I came in 01, I didn't bring a jacket. It was Labor Day. I didn't bring a jacket. I got up here, and it was hot. We were sweating uh, for two nights. The next night, it's 30 degrees. I thought, God, what in the world am I in there? I like to froze to death. And uh, So, yeah, the weather can change up here, but it, so I always just watch the temperature, and everybody will say, Oh, it was nice here before you got here. It's always <laughs> when you come. <laughs> when I come, it's just like I bring it the bad with me. But yeah, you always should have been here the day before, and the day after you leave, it's going to be yeah. nice again. Yeah, <laughs> it's been it's been comfortable the past few days. It's to been me. perfect. I want to you know thank Mason a lot for just this interview and um, bringing a spotlight to the coon hunting community and dog community in general. Um, the podcasts with with houndsmen across the board has definitely increased the um, the the public's view of it. Um, and without guys like Mason 
and all the other houndsmen podcasts, you know, no matter how big or how many views they get, it's definitely helping the public um, understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, the passion we have, um, the love we have for the dogs. Um, I want to thank Merlin for definitely taking me under his wing and being the voice of reason for me. Um, I can I can definitely get off on tangents or um, I might have the best you know interests in my mind but he definitely has straightened me out over the years uh, as to what I'm doing or why I'm doing it you know the the, the best he can yes it's <laughs> I, I, I definitely have a, a city of angels looking over my shoulder because I uh, I go and go and sometimes I need to take a look at the big picture so I definitely thank him and everybody else that has had a hand in steering me in the direction I am today. Um, well, I can't can't thank everybody enough. I like to have a good time and joke around and cut up as much as anybody, probably more than most. But without him, um, you know, guys like um, growing up, you know, guys like Jeff Rickliffe and Barry, um, even you know somebody at Strickland giving the opportunity. Um, guys around Iowa, the Midwest. Um, I owe a lot, like I say, said a minute ago, I owe a lot to Billy um, for giving me the opportunity to hunt the dogs that I have. Um, Chad Doolin for letting me hunt son. You know, there's no reason that, you know, I, I have no idea what he's seen in me or thought of me to, you know, trust me with a dog like that. So without this hound hunting community, I don't know where, I definitely don't know where I'd be at today. I'd be at the bottom of a river probably or chasing. <laughs> some geese somewhere so i can't thank mason enough for giving me the opportunity to sit behind this microphone it's for the second time the second first time <laughs> yeah i hope this one is as good as the last one I, the last one was good and but you couldn't hear mason he, he had bought him a microphone but he, i guess he got it at a flea market somewhere because <laughs> you couldn't hear him and he said we can't use that you can't hear me i said we we don't need to hear you <laughs> um but it, Maybe it's as good. A lot of good people up here in Iowa. Uh, man, a lot of good, honest, hardworking people. Uh, you know, my wife is from Iowa. Uh, you know, so I, I love this place. Uh, her brother owns Legacy Acres. If anybody ever wants to go pheasant hunting up here, we've been pheasant hunting every year. It's, it's amazing. Uh, the, the the land the ground the layout the farming it's it's amazing but legacy acres be a great place to have a coon hunt too it's a big lodge uh nicest people you'll find honest people you if you don't have a dog they got dogs they got guides or you can bring your own dog hunt your own self it's a this is a place to be. Uh, we've seen a lot of coons cross the road. Uh, we we didn't even turn loose on a coon cross the road. We we don't never see one at home. If we see it, it's on the road dead. Somebody run over it, and somebody be trying to give it mouth to mouth to wake it up, or we <laughs> we can run it again. <clears throat> the, the population. If if a coon gets run over on the road in Tennessee, from what I understand, the population is cut in half. We carry it to the funeral home. <laughs> let everybody come see it. Yeah. yeah, that Legacy Acres is a newer facility, like in the last five, six years, something like that, and it's it's world class. It's it takes no backseat to nowhere, anywhere. I mean, yeah, Barry talked about last year and actually quizzed him a little bit about the cost for renting something like that for a coon hunt. 
but uh, that may happen. I yeah, like to our, see it happen in the next year. Our buddy Matt Mathis, we ain't got to hunt with him because he uh, he coaches football with Tanya's brother Kurt. They had a big game Friday night. I think they run defeated, but they end up losing this game, and and so he's probably all down and out. But we miss seeing him this time. We know we talked about Matt last time, and we went pheasant hunting with Matt's brother last time. So, but it's uh, we carried the whole family today. I mean, uh, Michaela, my daughter, Braden, my son, and his girlfriend, Kara, uh, Kurt, Tanya, uh, we all, and Gavin, his son. We all we all went pheasant hunting. Uh, some of them were just taking pictures, uh, or some of them were just taking videos. And then uh, I finally got my daughter to shoot uh, three times. Uh, but they got a big clay pigeon set up out there too where the school comes up there and and shoots they got eight or ten different trap situations up there it's 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 a lot of fun but finally got my daughter to shoot she shot three times once she once she pulled the trigger she emptied it (laughs) (laughs) she did bust her a clay pigeon or two and she's got she was happy about that oh we got to even take our little old dog Tank out uh, today. He he found a bird or two, uh, so we've had a we've had a wonderful time. Gonna go hunting again tonight. I can't wait. I'm ready for it. Well, Thanks a lot, Mason. I want to tag along uh, tonight. Not, I set out last night, but um, maybe we can tree a pile of them. So, like I said, thank y'all for coming on, and maybe we'll tree them. <laughs>